desideratum is a Latin word. It means things that are desired as essential. This podcast celebrates storytelling as essential. I'm audiobook narrator Teresa Bakken, showcasing the talents of my author and narrator friends. I hope you'll hear an artist you love or find your next favorite wordsmith. This is episode 56 with Colorado author Randy Samuelson Brown. We're talking about her new book, a Western called Brand Chaser. The main character is a modern day brand inspector named Emery Cross. We begin our conversation with what made Randy jump from writing about Colorado's colorful past to this contemporary series. To be honest with you, I was at a writer's conference and I met Mike Bray, who's um, the head of Wolfpack or one of the heads of Wolfpack. And he was just, um, he was funny. He's this Western guy, big cowboy, black cowboy hat. I think he used to ride bulls or God knows what else, you know. So now he's in publishing. He's like, I want to work with you. I want you to write for us. But it has to be contemporary. It has to be a female protagonist. No F-bombs, don't take the name of the Lord in vain, and no bodice rippers. And I think those were my parameters, and that's all I had. So he's like, go. So they gave me a contract uh, for three books, and so that is my first book, is Brand Chaser. And I loved it. And with contemporary, I mean, I know what I think. I know what I feel some of the stressors are in Colorado and the West. And so that's kind of what I'm exploring, but, you know, with a nod to the past. Yes, there's definitely a nod to the past. Your female protagonist is fitting into this, what the publisher was looking for. She, um, she has kind of old skills and instincts right. that is rooted in, in the West of older times. Well, and I think I think that's actually coming partially from my upbringing because um, I came from a long line of Colorado women, and all their husbands used to die really young, right? So, but all these women would have to find jobs, or they'd have to figure out a way to survive. They'd usually have about five kids that they'd have to feed while they were trying to figure this all out. Listening to them, they were just such strong women, and. I was never, ever, ever told as a kid anything that I couldn't do anything because I was a girl. That never happened in my family because we had such a strong line of women. I don't think, I don't think of the women in my family as sweet. I think of them as capable and a little bit quirky. That is so interesting that you feel that as part of this region, that there have been generations of strong women yeah. here. A lot of the women out here were survivors. There was no one to tell them they really couldn't do something. I mean, there were so few people out here in those days that you needed everybody for whatever skill set they had. So you, the other thing you do is you, you bring up several times Zane Gray. Right. And who is an American author, for listeners that, that don't know, who wrote a book called Writers of the Purple Sage. And he lived a long time ago. I had to look up. When did he live? In 1800s. 1800s, right. And so why does Emery talk about him? And do you want to address a little bit what her opinion is about? Sure. 
the purple sage. Yes, I do. So that opening line just came to me and that was going to be the beginning of the book at one point, you know, purple sage my ass. And I started out as a kid, I'd read Zane Gray. I don't even know why. I just used to read everything in the library, right? So Zane Gray came along. And then when I was starting to do research for this book, I started researching who Zane Gray actually was. And he was this Ohio dentist who came out to the West. He's like seen in a way as the quintessential Western voice, but he was a dentist from Ohio. His wife basically ran his business. He was out here chasing heiresses around riding horses. And I'm just like, this is bullshit, you know? And also we don't have purple sage, right? And so kind of gave me this whole idea that there's like a lot of different views of the West. So if you're in Utah or Arizona, then maybe there is purple sage out there. But this is a Colorado book with a Colorado character and there is no purple sage out here. Well, you have a lot of really great landscape descriptions. So uh, there were a few places in this book where I wrote it down. I was like, oh, that's a poetic description. Oh, thank you. Of the land and the landscape and the sky and also about horsemanship. First of all, my mother was an artist. Okay. And I couldn't paint ever as well as she could, but I was always fascinated by the color and the compositions. So then when I started writing, I'm like, I want to paint pictures with my words. So that's kind of where that's coming from with that one. Horseback riding. Yep. I ride horses all the time. I get to exercise one fabulous horse named Kai. So Kai made it into the book. And um, most of the horses in those books um, that I'm working on are real horses that I know. And they all have personalities. So it's kind of like writing about friends. Oh, I, I love that. I love that. It's like writing about friends. Yeah, I think people have a real kind of a romanticized idea about horses. But the idea of, of them having personality I hadn't put my finger on what it was that I liked about the way you write about horsemanship, but it's more than just writing about the technical aspects of being on the back of a horse and navigating something. It's that Emory does. She takes Kai with her where she goes. Right. You know, and people do that if they can. I mean, if you have a horse and you're going to move, I mean, you try to find a stables for it or some place where you can keep that because I mean, it would just, it would be heartbreaking just to have to give up a horse because you moved. Yeah. And she doesn't. Kai is definitely a consistent part of the story. He's with her. Yep. I love that. I noticed that you, so you do, this is a, a story of a strong female protagonist and she's working in what I think is kind of a non-traditional job. So she's a brand inspector. She kind of falls into the job from her own ranching experience Right. But can you talk a little bit? I noticed you you mentioned real brand inspectors at the beginning of this book. Yes. Can you talk about how you chose that career path for her and why? So what I was thinking was brand inspectors. I like brands. And I was at the Western Writers of America. People are wearing their cowboy stuff a lot of times. People have brands and stuff. And I'm like, well, brand inspectors, they still have them. You don't have to brand things in the state of Colorado, but we do, because that is the fastest way to identify where a head of livestock belongs. 
We also have the added complication of a lot of people run their livestock on BLM land, which is like free for all. So, you know, there's not fences, people can go wherever. So brands are really pretty important out here. And so I just, I don't know how it came to me, but it came to me and I'm like, yeah, brand inspectors. So then I started tormenting the real Colorado brand inspectors, these poor people, um, men and women. And um, I sent them a copy of the book and I got like a handwritten thank you letter back from the brand commissioner. It was like a rock star sent me a note. But, you know, it's like, they're great people. There's such a living link between 1860s Colorado and today. There is still wrestling. There is still crime, livestock crime. And it's kind of like most things that, that are rooted in the past that are current, there are new obstacles. There are new challenges right. in the rural places where it takes a while for any law enforcement to get there. I know. It's, it's amazing if you think about it, right? Yeah. Wide open spaces, a lot of terrain to cover, and um, kind of still the Wild West. That's a good place to pause and listen to a few minutes of the story. This is a scene where Emery and another brand inspector are investigating a case. There are layers of history, mystery, and danger in this story. And in these few minutes from early in the book, you get the first hints that things aren't exactly what they seem to be. This is from Brand Chaser, written by Randy Samuelson Brown. He tipped his hat. I'm Terry Olverhauser, the brand inspector from the Greeley Sale Barn. This is Emery Cross. We've come into a strange situation. Is your husband around as well? Do you need him? She asked puzzled and distrustful all at the same time, a combination that was becoming more and more frequent from what Emery gathered. It might be best, Terry replied. He's out checking on the livestock and doing whatever needs done, but I can give him a call if you really need him. What's this about? We found a calf in another county that had an altered brand. It looks to have started out life as one of yours, but the brand was tampered with along the way. Are you missing any calves? Her long hair was pulled back in a ponytail as severe as her expression. A few wisps escaped at their own risk. I'll go call Earl, she said, abrupt. She abandoned Terry on the stoop. Door ajar, he appeared uncomfortable enough to return to the truck, giving the woman a measure of privacy. You can't really hear from here, Emery muttered. Go on back up there. No need to eavesdrop as they work out whatever they are working out. Hmm, that's the exact opposite of how you expect me to operate. Busted. Couldn't hear the exact words, but it didn't sound too pleasant. Mrs. Alderson rejoined them a few moments later. You might be wondering what all the discussion was about she said, color rising in her wind-chapped cheeks. My husband and I are having a slight difference of opinion on how to go about things in this instance, and I'm only telling you this because he's too damn bullheaded to tell you much on his own, not without prodding. Both women stared at Terry, 
who had enough sense not to say a damned thing. Emery jumped into the breach. Is there a particular line of questions you would suggest that we take? Well, you could ask him about that bull that keeled over dead and the coyotes won't touch. I'd like to hear the answer to that one myself. The woman's expression of determination settled in the lines and wrinkles, her faded eyes shining and the color still hot in her cheeks. A dead bull untouched by scavengers was out of the ordinary, at the very least. But the bull, no matter how concerning, wasn't the reason for their visit. Terry tried again. Sure, we can bring that up. We're inquiring about that missing calf I mentioned. And I'm inquiring about a bull in the boneyard, she shot back. Terry suppressed a sigh and offered a question asked out of habit. How long has the bull been out there? Three days, the woman replied without a trace of uncertainty. Well, Terry frowned. Did you report that one? She stared at him. Did you see a report of anything like that coming from here? Deaths from possible contagion must be reported. Likewise, deaths from trauma or criminal activity. She stared at Terry and said nothing in response. The implications were left out in the open, hanging in the wind. For you, as you created Emery, how would you describe her to people? Who is Emery Cross? I think Emery Cross is somebody coming from a very small um, town or ranch out basically in the middle of nowhere, Colorado, doesn't really know all the options she's got going for her, but she reads a lot. So once you start reading a lot, everybody knows your horizon's open, right? And she's kind of stuck, I think. I think she feels the responsibility of history on her shoulders because she's the last one in the line. She's got to get married. She's going to have to have kids or else that whole line is going to die out. Meanwhile, she wants to have a life. I mean, she knows that there's other stuff out in the world. Why not try it? So I think she's really torn between the, her family's traditional roles and what they need from her and understanding that there is a wider world out there full of opportunity. So I'd say I think she's gutsy, I think she's courageous, and I think she's got a lot of common sense. And common sense is a very underrated virtue. Yeah. You know, she could do whatever she wanted to do. She might have to go get the education or put the effort in, but she's not afraid of work. So I just think she's tremendously resourceful. She she has a, a grit to her and you can see a future for her, which is really nice that you've created that kind of character. I mean, I think people can do almost anything they put their mind to if they try. And I think I hope I kind of imbue that going forward. It's a dark book, but I mean, anybody who tries, you're in with a chance. If you don't try, you don't have a chance. One of the questions I always like to ask authors has to do with the name of the podcast. Desideratum means um, things that are essential or things that you desire as essential. And I always like to know from an author's point of view, and it could be about your writing or it could be just life in general, what for you is most essential? Most essential for me, I think, or I know, is probably 
trying to preserve the sense of Colorado as I recognize it right now and through the past. So I did write a book called The Bad Old Days of Colorado, and that was a Colorado Book Award finalist last year for history. And those are those seedy tales and just like, it's kind of like all a love letter to the state of Colorado, I guess. It's historical preservation is very important to me, trying to preserve the stories, preserve just the legacy, good, bad, or indifferent. Like, what is it? Why are we doing this? And why, you know, there's roots, there's reasons, you know, and I'm just trying to save those. But I think it's very important to understand where we came from. Thanks to Randy for sharing her story and her history. You can find Brand Chaser everywhere you buy your books. Thanks also to Wolfpack Publishing. And as always, thank you for listening. This has been Episode 56.